So, uh, you, you can go to 1 Kings 17, and um, let's, let's look at a portion of a story there uh, in the life of Elijah. Um, if you know anything about 1 Kings 17, it's, um, the whole chapter starts, it opens with Elijah's declaring to Israel that she's about to experience a drought. And the drought is going, to come, is going to come about as a result of Israel's sin, and the drought is not going to go away until I say it goes away. That is, until uh, Elijah says it's going to go away. So um, once uh, Elijah gets that word from the Lord and delivers it to Israel, he is then told to go hide. Uh, the ravens will feed him, and he can drink from the brook. And um, uh, that's what happens. Ravens come and feed him. Uh, this is in the first seven verses of First uh, Kings 17. And, um, but as a result of the drought, the brook dries up, of course, as you know, and um, as you would expect, and he's told to move, and he's told to go to Zarephath, which is a city. It's a city in a, a certain region of Israel. And, and that's the portion of the story I want to read you. It uh, begins at verse 8. It's pretty brief. It uh, only goes through verse 16, but let me, tell you, let me just read you this portion of the story. Um, then the word of the Lord came to him. Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, Bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, as the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour and a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, do not fear, go and do as you have said, but first make me a little cake of it and bring it to me and afterward make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not be spent, and the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And she went and did as Elijah said, and she and he and her household ate for many days. The jar of flour was not spent, neither did the jug of oil become empty according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. Um, I, I bet you've heard this story before. Um, um, maybe not, uh, but it's, it's one of those pretty signal events in the life of Elijah, and Elijah gets a lot of press. Um, but for the night, uh, I'd like to just ignore, well, well, not completely, but I'd like to focus or take the focus off of Elijah and, and put the focus on this woman um, because you and I, uh, all of us have a whole lot more common with the woman than we do with Elijah. Um, but, I, but I'd like to just kind of examine this little event that just took place and we just read about in her life. Um, here she is, you know, the, the, the drought has come and, you know, just devastated everything. And uh, she's out gathering some sticks uh, to bake uh, the last meal for her and her son. Before they die, and that's what the text says. I mean, you know, I'm just out here gathering a few sticks. I'm going to bake some bread, and we're going to go die. We're going to eat, and we're going to die because there's no more food. It's gone. Um, and then this this wild man shows up uh, from nowhere, and um, 
says to her, you know, I'd like, I would like you to give me a drink of water. And, and, and he said, and by the way, when you come back, would you bring me something to eat? Um, now, it's hard for me to tell you um, exactly what this woman knew about Elijah. The text does not say. The text doesn't say, oh, she recognized that this was the prophet from Elijah, the very famous dude that everybody uh, knew around Israel. doesn't say that. Doesn't say anything like that. In fact, um, I, I would I would assume that maybe she's heard about Elijah, but the text doesn't say that. Yeah, it doesn't say he she she recognized him. It doesn't say anything like that. Um, for all we know, <coughs> this man was a complete stranger to her. Um, she is widowed, which makes her very vulnerable, um, the most vulnerable in the culture. She's got a son, she's got very little to eat, and this man shows up who she doesn't particularly know. Maybe she's heard of, maybe, but the text doesn't say that. Um, uh, She doesn't know who she's dealing with, and the guy just told her to go get him something to drink and something to eat. Um, Now, she doesn't have much to go on, if you know what I mean. She doesn't have a whole lot of uh, uh, proof or evidence as to the identity of this guy who's, who's talking to her. Um, and, and I would suggest to you that, a, that, that the text would at least uh, lead us to believe that she knew very little about who she was dealing with. Now, she might have known some, but if she'd have known that he was Elijah, then she would, the text would have said something, it seems to me, about, oh, Elijah, great prophet of Yahweh, glad to see you. Uh, whatever you say, that's what I'm going to do. But there is, there is a certain reticence, there's a certain hesitation on, the part, uh, on her part when, uh, when he asks for these things. In fact, she even fights him just a little bit. Um, you know, wait a minute, you know, I'm, I'm just going to fix something for me and my boy here, and we're going to die. And, but... But um, she gets beyond that. All I'm trying to point out is um, she didn't have a whole lot to go on in response to what uh, Elijah has said. Uh, All she knew was that she and her son were starving as, as a result of this drought. And this stranger shows up and says, I want you to go do something. Um, maybe, maybe this stranger is, um, is the real deal. Maybe he's, maybe he's telling her the real truth. Maybe he's telling her, uh, uh, something that God said, but, but she doesn't know that. Um, she might think, even if she knows Elijah, uh, all of her circumstances kind of, vector in on her to to make her a little bit skeptical about all that's going on here. Wait a minute, I've I've only got one meal left and now you want it and yada, yada, yada. But as a result of what Elijah said to her, she finds herself right smack dab in the middle of a crisis of faith. Because if I believe this guy, I got to go do something about this. And what he's asking me to do 
is pretty darn big. A lot of risk involved. Um, my life and my son's life are at stake. Um, she, at that moment, has been brought to the place by this prophet guy. She has been brought to the place where she is in a crisis of faith. Prophets do that. Um, It's their job. It's the job of the prophet to produce crises of faith. Um, It's the job of the prophet to be so faithful to what God has said that if, if they are, then the listener, um, and, and by the way, Elijah doesn't come to her and says, would you please turn to uh, John 14, 3, and let me read you what God said. But the prophet was the mouthpiece. He was the spokesman for God. And if he did his job well, if he did his job rightly, as, a, as the prophet was supposed to do his job, what he did... Every time he, not every time, but when he spoke at least in some way of command, he produced a crisis of faith for the hearer, for the listener. Is he telling me the truth? And if he is, what am I going to do in response to what he just told me? Um, the prophet produces a crisis of faith. But, but, but that's not really rightly said. It's not so much that the prophet produces the crisis of faith. Elijah didn't do this. But what he said did. And, and he got that, that is what he said, he got that from Yahweh. Um... Actually, it's not so much Elijah producing anything. It's just Elijah telling this woman what God told him to tell her. And as a result of that, this woman has been placed in a crisis of faith. Do you understand that? That's not too hard, is it? Guys, the Word of God always does that. It's what it does. Um, It puts us into a crisis of faith every time I hear it. Um, Because I've got to make a choice, just like she did. Okay, there's my son, there's a few sticks, I got this little bit of oil, I got this little bit of flour, and I'm going to mix it, make a cake, make it, we'll eat it, you know. Or, I just heard something he said. Now, as a result of having heard that, i got to choose whether I believe what I heard, or 
Or do I continue to operate on my circumstances as I define them? Do you get that? If I, if I choose to operate on my circumstances as I define them, then I go get the sticks, I light them, I, I take the flour and the oil, and I mix them all up, and I bake a cake. And my son and I go out and eat it, and then ultimately we die. Or, I, 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 I hear what the prophet says, and in response to what the prophet says, I got to do something entirely different. Not that it's just different, but it's completely counter to what my senses suggest I want to do, should do, ought to do, can do, will do, can accomplish. He's asking me to do something that goes against the grain of, of everything that I'm sensing and feeling and analyzing and, and projecting and yada, yada, yada. So, as a result of this guy showing up in her life, he walks in from nowhere, says a few things, and as a result of what he says, this woman is in a crisis of faith. Do I believe it? Or do I not believe it? Because if I believe it, I mean, you can write the next sentence, can't you? If I believe it, then I've got to go do pretty much the opposite of what I was planning. You know, my brother and sister in Christ, I think we have become, apparently we have become quite adept at managing these crises of faith. And we continue to go picking up sticks. And should, I mean, in this case, had she gone to continue to pick up her sticks, that would have clearly suggested that I don't believe that you've told me the truth and I'm not about to go do what you told me to say. Do, do what you, I'm not about to do what you told me to do because I don't believe what you said. If I go continue to pick up sticks, then it means that I don't believe what the prophet has said. That's pretty fair to the text, isn't it? And what I'm saying, ladies and gentlemen, is I think we have become pretty good at picking up sticks. And the implication is clearly the same. Just as it would have been for this woman. Now, now guys, here, here's the big question for you. 
Do you think, think about it, do you think that more oil and more flour would have showed up if she hadn't obeyed the prophet? If she hadn't obeyed, I mean, the word of, do you think that more oil and more flour would have showed up anyway? Well, of course not. So what does that tell us? Here's what it tells us. Very, very clearly, very simply. It, it, um, it teaches us, and it's designed to teach us, that God shows up and, and does all these miraculous things in response to his people when they believe him. But he doesn't show up. If they listen to what he has to say and they keep on picking up their sticks. There's no oil and there's no flour when I keep picking up the sticks. But God shows up in these these wonderfully marvelous ways every time one of his people believe him. So tell me, tell me, my brother and sister in Christ, when, over what, at at what time, in response to what word from God, did you last exercise faith? Oh, well, you know, I I prayed to receive Christ uh, back in college. Okay, good. Since then, since then, when, at what time, over what things, in, in response to what word of God, Did you choose, in the midst of that crisis of faith, did you choose to adjust all of your strategy and approach because you heard God speak? And as a result of hearing Him speak, it changed the way you did things. When in your life, it's the last time that that, that that has happened. How many times has it happened? Is the answer to that question zero? I'm not asking you, when was the last time that you attended a Bible study? 
I'm not asking when was the last time you sang a solo. I'm asking you when was the last time that you, from this book, heard something that God told you to do that produced a crisis of faith in you. And in response to that, having heard something God told you to do, you did something, you made some choices, you, 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 you went in a certain direction um, for no other reason, or perhaps against all reason, simply because God told you to do it. Just like this woman. Guys, um, if the answer for us is, um, well, you know, not so much. Then then I want to suggest that you are living a very boring Christian life. Not to mention a disobedient one. Um, you think, um, well, my preacher, he's boring. Um, my, my church is just boring. You know, this this... This whole blasted thing called Christianity. It's just boring. But ladies and gentlemen, that is not the issue. Because the real culprit is you. God spoke. And you went right on picking up the sticks. We've gotten good at it. We've gotten good at picking up the sticks. And having heard God speak, we have done doodly squat. Don't you love that phrase, doodly squat? Um, but guys, uh, as for us, we are we're far from gathering sticks to bake our last meal. Um, we're a long ways from that. But there, there have been numerous times about numerous things where you heard some Elijah like me uh, some Elijah like, not Elijah me, but somebody like Elijah, say to you, Thus saith the Lord, go do XYZ. Something that was perfectly consistent with this word. 
and we haven't budged. Why is that? You know, guys, about the biggest excitement we have in our lives is a close baseball game at Cameron Brown. Or buying a new gadget at the AT&T store. And um, you're not going to like this. I feel sorry for you. Um, have you ever heard, and let me tell you why. I mean, um, have you ever heard of the, the little principle that says the more risk you take, the more alive you feel? Have you ever heard that? I've said it several times. The more risk you take, the more alive you feel. Well, in the world of Christian truth, folks, uh, what we call that is faith. Um, and in the main, we haven't exercised faith in years. And we're bored. Who enjoys boredom? Um, tell me, what do you think this woman felt being a part of something so exhilarating of watching more oil come out of that jar day after day? What do you think she felt? What, where, where do you think her level of excitement about following Yahweh was? Here. But, but, do you, but do you understand where that excitement came from? I, I was in a crisis of faith. God moved me to go do what, this, what his word said. And now, for lo these many days or weeks or months or however long, I've watched him come through for me. Time after time after time. Oh, yes, yes. It was scary at first because there was a lot at stake. My son was going to die. I was going to die. And this guy was going to get some food. But with the rest of us, it was scary. But now, my whole Christian experience is exhilarating. All as a result. of responding in faith to something God said. Um, I guess one of the reasons that I wanted to say this is, is that you don't see a whole lot of bored Christians in Hungary. You, you see Christians who are struggling. You, um, you know, they got some of the same issues we got in terms of our inconsistencies. But um, 
They're not bored. And, um, and I wonder if Gracie Van is bored. But if we are, I want you to know, ladies and gentlemen, it's not my fault. That's not because I can't be boring. I'm, I'm sure I'm boring a lot of times. Um, we're bored. Because the Word of God puts us in crises of faith over and over and over again, and we choose to go right on picking up the sticks. We continue to go on and make more money and buy more stuff and go back to Destin and eat the same old hardened Cisco fried shrimp. And every now and then we show up at church and we sing a couple of hallelujahs and we go home. And we pick up some more sticks. And wonder why we're bored. Um, or like this woman, we can take some risks. As a church. Collectively, all of us, take some risks. In the light of God's word, not just risk for risk's sake, but risks because of things that we know God has, has told us to do, like um, make disciples of all men teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you and don't worry. I'll be with you always. Or we can pick up some more sticks. Or we can take some risks in the light of God's word. And I want to say to you, ladies and gentlemen, the more you do, the more we do, that is, take risks. the more alive we will feel. The more, the more love for Jesus Christ will pulsate through our souls as we watch him show up again and again and again and again. Guys, my, my words tonight are not designed to load you up with guilt. My words are designed to tell you what we're missing. And you know what? I don't think you want to miss it. I don't think we want to miss it. I'm not here to tell you how disobedient we've been for picking up the sticks. I'm here to tell you that the Christian life is, is more It's more than what we're tasting, ladies and gentlemen. It's more. 
And I'm also here to dare you. Go do it. Go do what? I don't know. Whatever he, according to his word, told you to do. Go do it. Whatever it was. Go do it. And I can promise you this much. You won't be bored. Heavenly Father, um, I do pray that you will forgive us that um, we spend a lot of time picking up sticks and a lot of time listening to what you have to say, but very little time doing what you say. Uh, there's nobody guiltier in the room than the preacher. And I pray, Lord, that you will stir within us a greater uh, determination in the midst of hearing what you say, of making decisions to obey and to do and to trust. Doing what you say, because we trust what you say is the truth. And that we're better off doing what you say in spite of our circumstances than continuing to pick up the sticks and functioning according to circumstances as we define them. Would you, O oh God, would you grant to us a, a much deeper, a much readier, a much quicker level of faith that we might respond to you in, in ways much similar to a widow who lived in Zarephath. We commit ourselves to that, Father, asking for the fullness of your spirit in so doing, and pray in Jesus' name. Amen.